Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now for the bigger picture. Interesting topic, Ryan. I think it's relatable to so many people, right? Because we're talking about soaring food prices. Just go to the supermarket. It's there. Mm, so if you just hit down the aisles, chances are you probably have noticed prices of food items have been going up alongside many other things. So it's a trend playing out across the world where global food prices have risen to record highs this year because of the Ukraine war, sanctions, trade restrictions and volatile weather conditions. So if you just look at the numbers, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization Food Price Index rose by over 25% just in the first five months this year. That extends the 28.1% increase we saw last year. So we are definitely seeing prices going up even based on the numbers but there is a silver lining okay and this is where some exporting countries in the ASEAN region could be benefiting from the higher food prices so let's check in with Lee Juye she is the economist for Maybank Investment Banking Group morning Juye how are you doing today? Hi, morning. I'm doing good. Thanks hey. for having me on this radio interview. Thanks. It's great to have you on, Jay. So you've got a study going on and you've looked very closely at how the state of play is right now when it comes to food inflation and all the factors around it. Walk us through. How bad is it right now and what type of food price inflation can we expect for the rest of the year? Sure. So food inflation in ASEAN overall, so it's not just Singapore, as you mentioned, but across the region, it's picking up more visibly. Uh, the latest data print for May was at 5%. And that's nearly double the pace of 2.8% in the first quarter of this year. Uh, and countries seeing the highest food inflation in the region are Thailand, where it's at 6.2% in May, Indonesia at 5.6%. Uh, then we have Malaysia, Philippines and Singapore, which are also close to 5%. Well, of course, the surge in food prices has been it has been actually rising since last year, mm. but this year the Russian-Ukraine war has uh, disrupted agricultural exports and supply, and it has also driven up uh, cost of uh, agriculture inputs like fertilizer and animal feed. Uh, also, there has to be more protectionism around the region. Uh, India banned uh, exports of sugar and mm. wheat. Indonesia had banned palm oil exports. And that has cut off uh, global food and fertilizer supply. We find that export restrictions have so far cut off around 17% of the global food trade uh, measured in calories and also uh, 20% of global fertilizer trade. Mm. Uh, But I think the silver lining is really that the crisis may be reaching its peak. We are seeing fertilizer prices starting to fall in May. And this is because very high prices of fertilizer has actually led to demand destruction. People are not buying it because it's just way too expensive. Mm. And we are hearing about reports of a glut of fertilizers at ports in Brazil. And besides that, uh, Indonesia has lifted the ban on palm oil exports. So we may expect to see some uh, moderation in cooking oil prices in the coming months. Malaysia's chicken ban will likely be short-lived. And also, uh, very importantly, rice is a very important staple in the region. And rice prices have been stable. And this is because of adequate supply uh, that has contained uh, the price of rice. Uh, We also think that a global growth slowdown and stabilizing energy prices will also help to cool further growth of uh, of this food commodity prices. Yeah, Dre, based on what you said, there is some hope that these rising food prices may start to moderate. Also, I think bearing in mind, we did get a bit of a global food crisis nearly 10 years ago with um, the rice uh, situation. How much of a parallel can you draw to that situation and this time around? Yeah, that's right. So uh, back in 2007 and 2008, uh, during that uh, global food crisis, 
it was the rice uh, commodity that took center stage. Back then, uh, Vietnam and India had imposed export restrictions, uh, and that resulted in rice prices quadrupling from $300 per ton to $1,200 per ton. And consumers all over the world back then panicked, and they began to hoard rice supplies, uh, and that worsened the supply crunch. But I think the fortunate thing is this time round, we do not have an export rice ban uh, from, from the major producing countries like India uh, and within Southeast Asia, Vietnam and Thailand are also unlikely to impose any restrictions. And that's because, like I mentioned, there's ample rice reserves this time round uh, because of a good monsoon season. I think the parallel we can draw to uh, the 07, 08 global food crisis, it's really, it's really the surge in fertilizer prices. Back then, uh, it surged by more than 200%. And that was because of the increase in crude oil prices. We have seen a very tight correlation between crude oil price and food price. It's almost at 0.88 over the past 20 years. And that had drove new demand for grain in 2007 and 8, which is used for biofuel production. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, but this time around, we are seeing energy prices probably reaching its peak as well. So we may expect to see uh, food prices peaking in, in the third quarter of this year. Yeah, Joe, one point you uh, raised was how we've seen a bit of food protectionism coming through where you've got export restrictions. But you've noticed that these export bans are never the best policy in the long run. Yeah, uh, we think that export bans are, are never the best policy to solve food security issues. And that's for several reasons. Uh, first of all, there are cases where farmers will hoard their products until the ban is lifted, and that could lead to more volatile prices of food. Smuggling and illegal trade will also likely increase with these export restrictions. Uh, and in the longer term, I think the export bans could actually encourage farmers to shift their production to crops that are not restricted, mm. and thereby it will reduce domestic output. And uh, this lower domestic prices will eventually hurt these agricultural producers uh, and this tend to be the poorer uh, and less urban consumers and, and also worsen the household income distribution because of this. So the better solution to solve um, this food security issues would really be uh, more targeted help for lower income households and also strengthening the social safety nets uh, of these communities which are more dependent on agriculture. Uh, and governments could also kind of incentivize uh, agriculture production to strengthen food security in their countries. Yeah, and taking a step back, Julia, if you look at the winners and losers, there are a lot of factors that come into play, the weather, the uh, worker situation. So how much are you seeing in terms of exporters benefiting from the higher food prices and who not so much? Yeah, so within the region, uh, the winners uh, from this rising food prices are really uh, the net food exporters. Uh, this include Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia and Vietnam. Uh, Thailand in particular is the 13th largest food exporter globally. Its biggest food exports include fruits, uh, livestock, tapioca products and rice. And Thai producers have had strong harvests this year. Uh, and the underperforming currency has helped to keep their exports competitive. Uh, Indonesia and Malaysia are benefiting from uh, soaring palm oil prices, and palm oil accounted for more than half of these two countries' food exports in 2021. I think on the other hand, uh, the countries that are losing out would be the net food importers. This includes Philippines uh, and Singapore. Uh, they have uh, quite substantial food trade uh, deficits. Uh, in Philippines, it's around 2% of GDP, and in Singapore, it's around 0.7% of GDP. Yeah, like you pointed out, Andrea, Singapore relies on imports for nearly 90% of its food needs. Uh, what's the impact on the economy when it comes to how much uh, it needs to buffer, as well as the October monetary policy 
um, decision. What do you expect in the coming quarters? Yeah, so uh, given that Singapore is so dependent on imports for food and, uh, and given the rise in global food prices, we have seen food inflation uh, rising at the fastest pace since 2009. There's broad increases in prices of meat, uh, fish and seafood. And even uh, restaurants and food service providers like hawker centres have been raising prices by nearly 5% from a year ago. Um, but having said that, I think uh, food accounts for a relatively small share uh, for the consumer basket in Singapore at 21%. That's the lowest in Asia, given that it's a developed country. And I think the government's measures to help some of the low-income and uh, vulnerable groups, uh, we saw a 1.5 billion mm. support package rolled out last week. Uh, and cash handouts uh, and utilities credit, this would help to offset the rising uh, living costs. And I think uh, more importantly, the government's move to raise the core funding share of wage increases for local workers under the progressive wage credit scheme, uh, that would help to reduce the risk of a wage price spiral. So that could help to contain uh, some of the uh, fast increasing wages uh, and, and the pass over to consumer prices. But we do expect core inflation to, to stay high at above 3% this year. And, uh, but for October's monetary policy, we currently don't think that the central bank will move yet. Uh, we think uh, they had substantially upgraded their core inflation forecast in the previous April meeting. I still am looking at core inflation to come at, within that range. Uh, so we don't see another reason for the central bank to, to tighten in October. Mm. All right, I've been trying to lead you here. She's the economist for Maybank Investment Banking Group. Talking about soaring food prices. Jia, thanks for your time and have a great week. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.